0: Welcome to the Adventures with Grammy podcast. I am your host, Carolyn Barry. This podcast is for grandparents on the go with their grandchildren and for parents who want to ensure loving relationships across the generations. I welcome your input and your feedback on every episode of the podcast we produce. Please send me an email at carolyn at or connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Grammy Adventure. Please follow or subscribe to my podcast, it's free, so you won't miss an episode and ask your family and friends to do the same. You can subscribe to the monthly newsletter by visiting my website, adventureswithgrammy.com and clicking the newsletter sign-up link. Today's guest is Violet Favaro, also known as Silly Yaya. Prior to beginning her career as a children's picture book author-illustrator. Violet worked as a medical administrator. She is the grandmother of nine granddaughters and is well known for her Sunday dinners and lavish holiday gatherings. She has read to thousands of students in schools and libraries across the country. Her goal is to inspire kids to learn to love to read by raising readers one book at a time. Let's start by giving us just a bit about your background and how you got started writing children's books.
1: My name is Violet Favaro, and I am a grandmother to nine granddaughters. Nine. No grandsons, just granddaughters. I am a second-generation Greek-American, and because I'm Greek, my grandchildren call me Yaya, which is the Greek word for grandmother. I'm a children's picture book author, and I wrote my first book, which is called Silly Yaya, because at that time, you couldn't go into the Hallmark store or anywhere else and find a picture frame or a card or anything that said Yaya. All you could find was grandma or grandmother. And I couldn't find any books about that. So I said, well, I'm going to write a book about unique and different grandmother names ethnic names and family names and so I sat down one day and I wrote it I'm also an artist I illustrated the book and I was like okay and now I have to figure out how do you get a book published I got that published and it did very well and I was like okay well that's great And my son said, Mom, when are you going to write your next book? And I said, well, what would I write it about? And he said, well, why don't you write that about our tradition of family Sunday dinners? Because my family gathers every Sunday at my home for dinner. So I thought, well, that's easy. I don't have to come up with anything or think of anything. I'm just going to write what I know. That's how my journey as an author started.
0: So that's Sunday dinner at Silly Yaya's? Yes and the reason
1: the first book is called silly yaya because the way that you spell yaya in greek is y i a y i a but when i first started to write it when i knew i was going to be a yaya it was a little more difficult to write than y a y a so i just took the i's out so they started to call me silly because i changed the spelling hence the hence the name <laughs> silly yaya <laughs> And just (laughs) so you know, everyone calls me Yaya, all of my kids' friends, all of my husband's friends, all of my grandkids' friends, everyone calls me Yaya. I'm not sure that anyone knows my name.
0: That's a a sweet story. Let's uh, pivot to Pete Comes to America. And this is based on your true story of your family.
1: I had written a number of books, and I don't know what it is about being Greek, but we're just so proud of our Greek heritage. It's just, I don't know what it is just deep embedded in us that we're like that, but we are. Immigration was a really hot topic a while back. And I think it still is. I got to thinking, remembering talking to my grandfather about how scary it was when he was six years old that he got on this crowded ship and came to America where he didn't speak English and, and it smelled different and everything was different. And I thought, well, I'm going to write a story about my grandfather's immigration. So Pete Comes to America is my family's immigration story. My grandfather was born on the island of Lesbos in Greece, and that's an island that's only four miles off of mainland Turkey. It was always under Ottoman rule and war and has a very uh, turbulent history. They decided to move to America. My grandfather's father was a barber. My great-grandfather and his father was a physician in Lesbos. So they could read and write in Greek. And at that time, that was not common that people could read and write. So they came to America, did very well, Pete. Who was my grandfather? His name is actually Panayotis, but the American way to say that is Pete came to America at six years old, but graduated valedictorian of his high school class. The little boy from a little village who couldn't speak English to tell about the American dream, because it was my grandfather's dream to own restaurants, and he did. He went on to own three restaurants, is to bring inspiration that you can. Come to this country and not speak the language and still be successful. And it's written in a way that kids can understand. It talks about Pete got here and the sights and the smells were overwhelming in New York. Imagine then, you know, coming through Ellis Island and there were thousands of people and everything was different. Everyone looked different, you know, people that had blonde hair and freckles and redheads and very different than what he was used to. And it's a great book for families to introduce the topic of their immigration story, because we all have an immigration story, unless we're a Native American. It's a great book for teachers to use. It also has a teacher's set that is a YouTube video and it has a lesson plan and it has where the children fill out their own family tree with their family. The book was named Amazon's number one new release in four children's genres at its release. I feel like my grandfather was watching me from above and making all of that happen. So it's had great success you don't have to be greek for the story to resonate with you again if your family immigrated from ireland in 1890 it's the same story they just have different names
0: and you're so right immigration is a still a hot topic and with the interest in genealogy in a lot of families this is a story that's important to many families
1: It is. And and I and I hope that the book is a segue for people to talk to their children about their immigration story. And, you know, imagine if you find out that you're say you're a child and you find out that your great parent, great grandparents came over to America and they didn't speak English either. And you've got a new student in school in your class who doesn't speak English. Now you're understanding what that new student is going through, and you've got a different level of compassion and understanding. Teachers who have used this in the schools have told me that it has really helped some of the students say, oh gosh, I never thought about how scary it would be when you move to a new country. When I was volunteering uh, at uh, one of my granddaughter's school, they had a young man named Marcel. I think it was uh, first grade, and he didn't speak any English at all. His family was new to the country. By the end of the year, his English was amazing. He did a great job. But the kids surrounded him and helped him. And just to see their compassion was just amazing at that young age.
0: I like your book, Uncle Monkey Lives at the Zoo. Is that how (laughs) you say that? (laughs) Yeah, Uncle Monkey Lives. I love the perspective of this little girl who only sees her uncle at the zoo. So he must live there.
1: Yeah. So this was like an accidental book. And, and just so you know, this is the book that I read the most when I go to elementary schools for author visits and libraries. It's my most popular book. So my brother is called Unky Monkey. So when my son was little, he couldn't say uncle, so he started calling him Unky. So anyway, for many many years, my brother was known as Unky, just like everyone calls me Yaya. Everyone called him Unky. So my granddaughter Lucci was about three, and they she hadn't met my brother because he had lived out of the area on the other side of the country, and he had moved back to Florida, where we all live. And so they were going to meet. At Bush Gardens and Bush Gardens, you know, has a zoo part. And so they were telling Lucci that you're going to go meet Unky. And she says, Monkey? And they're like, No, no, Unky. And so she knows she's going to go see the animals. So she's thinking it's Monkey. So anyway, when she met him, instead of saying Unky, she called him Monkey. And that's how he got to be named Unky Monkey so while they were there at bush gardens of course he had been there so he knew where to go he knew where everything was so she thought that he lived there so when they came home from the weekend and i got her on monday i asked her well where does Unky monkey live and she said he lives at the zoo (laughs) so that kind of became a little family joke so i said To myself, I'm going to write my brother a book for his birthday, called Unky Monkey Lives at the Zoo. So I wrote the book and I illustrated it. It got formatted and all that stuff and and printed. So anyway, the weekend that I had my book launch for Sunday dinner at Silly Yaya's, my brother came, you know, to help with the book launch and be there. But little did he know that he was going to have a surprise so the book launch was on Saturday and everything. And so on Sunday, we were going to have his, uh, our family, big Sunday family dinner, and then his birthday party. And I had decorated my house all in monkeys. <laughs> and he thought, well, that's pretty silly. So anyway, he opens all of his gifts and, and everyone had gotten him a, a greeting card that had monkeys on it. And, and what I had done was had the title, the cover of the book, put onto the birthday cake. He was like, oh my gosh, this birthday cake is just beautiful. Oh my goodness, you know? And then the last gift he opened, of course, was the book. And so he opens it up, takes out the gift bag and he looks at it and he's like, what? What? And then he opens it up and he reads the dedication page. And of course he starts to cry. He closes the book and he's like, please don't make me cry. And then and then, you know, he went through it and he was just like, I can't believe that you did this for me. Is a gift. And I, I just adore my baby brother. So anyway, that's how Unky Monkey was born. And then I was doing a school visit and and they were like, oh, wait a minute. We like this book. Can you do this book? And so it's my most requested book because there's no ending it's up to the reader, the child to decide. So what happens is, is the child is using their critical thinking skills without realizing they're doing that to decide if it's correct or not. And when I do a school visit, I'm crazy. I get down on the floor with the kids. I ask them, does Unky monkey live at the zoo? I have these big signs I hold up. They say yes or no. And then I have one that says, maybe if they can't decide. And we talk about why they said yes, or why they said no. And there's just just a bunch of silliness. I have a like a six foot tall giraffe cardboard cutout I bring with me. So I've probably read that book to, I don't know, a few thousand kids at elementary school. So that's my accidental, very popular book
0: and i love how you have so many props that you take with you for the school visit
1: yeah i do and i have i have a powerpoint presentation i do with this and i ask them is a zebra have black stripes or white stripes and then i throw out zebra stuffed animals to the kids in the audience and then i ask about elephants i teach them the difference between an indian elephant and an african elephant And then I toss stuffed animal elephants out to them in the audience. And then I have kids come up and be my helpers. And I have little elephant masks and little things like that. So it's a super interactive program with the kids. And the teachers have uh, written me just fabulous reviews. The kids love me. I was at Walmart one day with my husband. And this little kid kept looking at me and looking at me and looking at me. And finally, I said to the little kid, do you know who I am? And they said, "You're silly, yaya." And the father was like, "What?" And so, I had to say that your child has seen me at their school. I'm an author, and that happened to me at Chick Fil A once too. A kid came running out of the playground and just slammed into me and planted a hug.
0: What a wonderful feeling!
1: Yeah, it it's great. And pre pandemic, when I was done with my presentations at the schools. I would stand by the door when the students were leaving, because it's generally in the cafeteria or auditorium or the library sometimes, and the kids would high-five me and hug me goodbye. I don't know now, post-pandemic, if that'll happen. Definitely one of my favorite parts to know that my visit made an impact on them, and You know, when we talk about reading, I make them do a promise before I leave that they promise me 20 minutes every day they're going to read. And it's more than just going in and and reading them a story. You know, we also talk about the importance of reading. And I do uh, library visits for the summer programs at the libraries as well, especially for the underserved areas. I try to get into all of those libraries.
0: So do the children get to keep the stuffed animals? no they have to hand them
1: back (laughs) so I tell I tell them that in the beginning if the day comes where uh, I'm selling books like James Patterson (laughs) they certainly can
0: (laughs) we talked a few minutes ago about adventures and you mentioned your book about Gracie's RV misadventure and I think it is so cute because you, you use an RV to travel around the the country. Do you actually have a dog that goes with you? Yeah.
1: So when I do these visits to schools, I try to, you know, do two or three schools that's in an area, you know, and so we'll travel in our RV and spend, you know, a night or two, and then I'll do some schools, you know, within an hour of each other, you know, say two or three days, and then we'll move on to the next place. And so, yes, So when I wrote Gracie's RV Misadventures, I had two Italian greyhounds. Those are my dogs and they travel with us. And Gracie was my Italian greyhound who had a lot of personality. So I was at my book launch of Unky Monkey Lives at the Zoo in Connecticut when Gracie suddenly became ill and she passed away. It was horrible. And then we had to drive to, I can't remember if it was Maryland or Delaware. Uh, I had some school visits. I was very sad. How are we going to drive without her? You know, it just, everything was just heartbreaking. And so I said to my husband, I'm going to write a book about Gracie. It was so cathartic for me. So I would cry as I was writing. As we were driving, and then I would laugh and we were t- talking about some of her stories and adventures. It just came quick to me, and I said, This is just too much for a picture book. This will be an early chapter book. So, Gracie's RV Misadventure is the child's first book that's a step up from picture book to chapter book. Every page has pictures, but they're in black and white, like a big kid book, because I found being in the schools and volunteering that children were picking up chapter books from the library, the school library, that they weren't ready to read yet, but they felt like a big kid. They knew that a book that had black and white pictures and more text was a chapter book and a big kid book. So I said, well, I'm going to write this book. That's that transition book. And it's worked out Marvelous for that. So anyway, Gracie is a dramatic, hysterical dog in the book. Gracie's RV Misadventure, who goes on a vacation with silly Yaya. And on the last day of the trip before they're going to head home, Gracie realizes she's lost her blanket, the blanket she can't sleep without. So we all have kids or grandkids who have a blanket or a stuffed animal or something that they can't go anywhere without. So then we know Right, what a tragedy is if you lose that blanket. So Gracie is hysterical and decides that she'll retrace her steps from the RV trip they took around the country to remember where she lost her blanket. Surely that'll work. Maybe, maybe not. The end, you know, Gracie retraces her steps and and so through the book, there are all these things that happen when she's looking for that. They go to caverns, they go to Pennsylvania. In every state they visit, there's a map of this state, and then there's some facts about that state. So the kid doesn't realize they're learning not just geography, but they're learning facts about each state. In Connecticut, it says the oldest public library was founded in 1771 in Connecticut. The first speed limit of 12 miles per hour was set in Connecticut. And Pez Candy is made in Connecticut. So they're learning all these little facts. There's Repetition. So throughout each chapter, Gracie says, where is my blanket? So there's that repetition for the kids. And Gracie goes to a rodeo. She rides a horse. She goes to the zoo because I had to add the zoo in there with Unky Monkey. There's an encounter with a snake, which really happened. I had an encounter with a snake around an ice machine in South Carolina. A goat comes into the shower at the RV uh, bathhouse with silly Yaya that really happened to me. A goat really came into the shower. And I show that the actual picture to the kids because I had my camera with me. I took a picture and that's all the kids want to know about at the end when I'm done reading Gracie's RV Misadventure. They just want to know about the goat. And so I have to tell them the story, show them the picture. But Gracie's RV Misadventure talks about you know kids that are being dramatic that Gracie's a drama queen and I asked the kids do I have any drama queens or kings here in the audience and the kids know who they are it talks about having that thing that they love that they need to go to sleep and and how Gracie became a problem solver when she lost it how to become a problem solver and so the book has a lot of lessons and a lot of teaching but again that the, the The student doesn't know that. And then there's a coloring book, coloring and activity book that goes with that. That's actually a reading comprehension book. It asks questions in the coloring book about the book, Gracie's RV Misadventure. And it has word search and tic-tac-toe and colors and spot the difference and mazes. Gracie went on a chocolate tour at the Hershey Chocolate Factory, right? So in the coloring book, it says, what state did Gracie eat chocolate in? And it's got that reading comprehension. So the teachers like that book as well. And of course, so do parents because they get both of them And then they're like, wow, you know, my child really was paying attention when they read the book.
0: It's funny that you mentioned the Pez Factory and Hershey's because the book that is the inspiration for my Adventures with Grammy series is a book that I actually wrote for my grandchildren several years ago. And it's all about places up and down the East Coast that I want to take them before they turn 16. And one of the places is the Pez factory and the other is Hershey. I remember going to Hershey as a child and just absolutely loved it. That was before the amusement park and before all of the sanitary things in the actual factory. You could literally walk through the factory and reach over and touch the big bats of chocolate when I was a child. Oh my gosh, that
1: sounds amazing.
0: It was and it's changed a lot but those are two places that are on our bucket list, our adventure list. To, yeah, to and so and, that's fun.
1: and so when I wrote Gracie's RV Misadventure, it was really about a trip or two trips combined that grand, that we took granddaughters on. And one of them was to Hershey's cuz we really went there and one of them was really at Luray Caverns. We were at a campground huh. at Luray Caverns, outside Luray Caverns and we were swimming in the pool and a gentleman came and got in the pool with his little oh, I don't know I guess she was seven or ten years old and we started talk and we said oh we were gonna maybe go to Larray Caverns tomorrow but it was so hot and we weren't sure we trusted the air conditioning and the RV to leave our dogs and he said oh well you can bring your dogs in Larray Caverns and I was like mm, I don't think so are you sure and he was like yeah I own Larray Caverns I said you can bring your dogs. <laughs>
0: so fabulous and the temperature is really nice even when it's hot outside oh my god it was so
1: it was so hot that summer it was horribly hot even when we had gone to canada to montreal it was 102 degrees so those caverns were so refreshing that day and so we did we carried gracie and our other Italian greyhound Luna, we carried them in the caverns, because he said we could, and sure enough, dogs are allowed if you carry them, so that's in the book, too, because people often will ask me, how do you know what to write about, like, how can do you come up with books, and I said, oh,
0: I just write what I know, my life, the truth, it's easy, and that's, with the books that I'm writing it's like we've experienced these places and so I only write about what we as a family or I've taken my grandchildren to see and it makes it real because it actually happened and that's one of the things that I like about your book.
1: Thank you and don't they say fact is stranger than fiction anyway so (laughs) yes (laughs) and believe me my life has so much going on that there is no end to books. I have, my my repertoire of future books is large. I'm working on two books now, hopefully for one release for Christmas and one for release shortly
0: after the first of the year. Well, you have another book that I laughed when I was reading the title that, I don't know if that's your last book or not, but Mom, Mom, Mommy. And <laughs> I hear my... I I hear my grandkids all the time, mom, mom, mom. And then right. sometimes it's the same with me, Mama Barry, Mama Barry. It's right. Like, so so whether can you call a me mom, a different name.
1: Right. Whether you're a mom or grandmother, it's the same thing. If you have a child that can stand up and that can speak then this is your life. So the book, Mama, Mommy was written as an ode to all the moms out there, all the moms who are doing a great job, all the moms who are having mom guilt because being a mom is tough. During the pandemic, especially being a mom is really tough because now you're a mom and a teacher. I wanted to take a very humorous look at the daily life of a mom. The book doesn't have a lot of words, but it has a lot of mom, mom, mommy, mom. It has a lot of that. The illustrations are what tell the story in this book. Mom is just trying to do the dishes. She's trying to cook. She's trying to do the laundry. My gosh, she's trying to go to the bathroom alone. And, and I can't tell you about what happens at the last page because it'll give the book away. I can only tell you that it will pull your mom heartstrings and your grandmother heartstrings and also give you just a little twinge of mom guilt because mom guilt is real. Moms guilt themselves and seldom give themselves the kudos that they need for the tough job they're doing and how great of a job they're doing. Mom, mom, mommy was also named Amazon's number one new release in four children's genres. And it was the number two bestseller. So that's quite but an it, honor. Now it only held that number two bestseller for one day, but it did it. It
0: doesn't matter, <laughs> it did
1: it, right. <laughs> it did it, but this is a book for every single mother out there. This is a book that is a must for every single baby shower. Especially now, the trend is to buy books for baby showers. This is a must-have baby shower gift. Absolute (laughs) must-have. It is adorable. It is just uh, amazingly illustrated by the spectacular Chrissy Schramm, who I illustrate and then I use uh, Chrissy Schramm to illustrate. Uh, for me as well, I can't do it all. I just can't. I can't get everything done because I also own a Greek, an online Greek market, a Greek store. I import items from Greece, so I just, you know, have a lot going on in life. Just being a grandmother and a mother, and trying to run my life, and writing books, and running my store, and traveling, just everyday life.
0: I want to talk about one more of your books, and then I'd like to explore some of the traveling that you've done. I am impressed with the book, I'm Writing My Graphic Novel. This is introducing children to writing, but also helping that reluctant reader find an interest in reading. So tell us more about this book.
1: A few years ago, I had my shoulder reconstructed and I couldn't illustrate and draw. It was really making me go crazy. And so I was like, okay, what book can I write that, you know, I can do on the computer mostly, you know, that, that won't be a burden to my shoulder. At that time, my one granddaughter did not love reading. And when you're an author and you have a grandchild who doesn't love reading, it's just like, oh, so sad. So what I found is it isn't, and this is for all children. If children don't love reading, it's because they haven't found the right book yet to make them fall in love with reading. Please do not give up, do not stop. They will find the book, you need to find it. So for my reluctant reader granddaughter, it was graphic novels. She loved graphic novels. Suddenly she wanted to read. And not only did she want to read, she wanted to draw. And I was like, aha, I know what I'm going to do. So I wrote the book. I'm writing my own graphic novel. It's really more of a journal per se. So what it is, is a 120-page book that has four different graphic novel format pages. In the beginning of the book, I go through and tell the kids that they're going to write their own book and that they're the author and there's a place for them to put their name then I give them examples of the pages and I tell them how to go from box to box with the stories and the words and I tell them there's no right or wrong way to draw and then I show them how to do different fonts make uh, words like boom, bam, zam you know, that are explosive words, how to do all that. And so I give them all kinds of examples. One of my granddaughters actually had drawn some of the pictures that I have in the book that are example pictures to show the kids what to do. And then if they don't know, like how to get started or what to write in the back of the book, I have a number of story prompts for them that ask them questions to get them started this book has been a big hit. Parents are telling me the kids are taking this in the car and they're writing and they're drawing. And guess what else? They kind of use it as a diary about how they're feeling and what's going on in their life without even realizing that's what it is. So if your child is troubled by something, you know you might find out what that is by what they're writing in the graphic novel. And I made it of the size of such that mom can stick it in her purse. If the, you know, if Billy is at, uh, sitting there bored out of his mind at gymnastics practice while waiting with his mom, you know, for his sister to be done, he could quickly draw and write on that. And so that makes a great gift. That and a set of colored pencils makes an amazing gift for any child who likes to write and or draw.
0: I also... I'm, I'm at your website right now and one of the things that impresses me is your kids' corner where you have printables that parents or, or children can download and then color. Yes.
1: Yes. I, and I have that with nothing. You don't have to enter your email in to have access or anything. I, because I want people to be able to continue that love of reading and sometimes that's coloring pages that go with the books that they read or I have in there you know Mother's Day just passed but I have a coloring page that says mom I love you because and you know so you could just print that out and the kids can do that I have uh same Father's Day is coming up I've got one for dads I've got um I think I've got Christmas ones I've got yeah I've got bunches of those and I don't I can't remember if I have any of my word search puzzles there or not either because I've got word search puzzles no they're not there when I revamp the website those may not have gotten back on uh, because when I do school visits I bring I don't just go there with the books. I, I also leave things for the teachers so that they can have conversation after I've left about the books, word search puzzles and coloring pages and, and all of those kinds of things.
0: There's a picture here from mom, mom, mommy, where she's trying to do laundry <laughs> and the child is pulling on her shirt. Right. That's, that's
1: just, that's just, that's what it is. That whole thing, right? (laughs) The poor mom, she just wants to get it done. And the kid is always tugging on her.
0: Yeah. (laughs) One of the things that we talked about before we actually launched into the interview was about special adventures you do with your grandchildren. And one of them involves the RV and another involves hiking can you share those adventures with our listeners
1: yes absolutely so we are an outdoorsy kind of adventurous family and my son works for an international hiking company and so he came up with the idea one time that a whole bunch of the family should fly to europe hike the alps for 11 days (laughs) so okay So we trained for quite a while, and we're all physical anyway. I jog, my husband jogs, and uh, a lot of the other family, you know, either are avid walkers. And so we took uh, our granddaughters, three of our granddaughters, to hike the Alps. And I'll put a little plug of our video in there. If you go to YouTube, there's a video called 7 to 70 because my youngest granddaughter turned seven on the plane on the way over, and my husband was 70 when we hiked the Alps. You might hear me in the video say one or two bad words, by the way. (laughs) Sometimes you get very tired. We took uh, our granddaughters on this hike, and we hiked started in France and then Italy and then Switzerland and then back to France. It was an 11-day hike. We had some amazing bonding. My grandchildren don't remember anything I bought them as a gift, anything tangible. But ask them a question about when we hiked the Alps. They will tell you what we ate, where we stayed. They remember what a refugio had the horses that we fed apples. They remember when they slid down the hill and fell. They remember where we ate this. What was Because the food is amazing, by the way, when you're hiking the Alps. <laughs> a few years ago, we did a different hike. We did the Camino, which is a Christian pilgrimage that starts in France and takes you through much of Spain. The same thing there with the memories. We didn't get lost, but we almost got lost one time. And a man was driving and he says, Camino? And we were like, yes. And he says, no, 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 no. And he points us the other way. And the grandkids were like, I told you we were supposed to go the other way. When you give a a nine-year-old GPS coordinates and you're in a foreign country and they feel so grown up without their parents and there's just this bonding that happens when you're with your grandchildren and you're making these experiences and these memories so we were at a restaurant one day in Spain and it was a particularly tough day of hiking and we were very tired and maybe irritable and we wanted to get a cheese platter and we couldn't remember how to say cheese in Spanish, right? Queso, of course, we all know that, but we were so tired. And so we had to ask the waitress with Google Translate how to say cheese so my granddaughter mia will talk about that constantly all she ever she'll say to me hey how do you say cheese if you're in spain we have these little inside jokes and things and that's what happens when you travel with your grandkids
0: i think it's wonderful i am a huge advocate of skip generational travel which means grandparents and grandchildren and parents get to stay home and yes. do what they like, but it's that bonding time with, with grandchildren. That's so precious.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. It just, it, it's amazing. And then for your children to trust you with their children, that speaks volumes as well.
0: It does. And I also think it speaks volumes of how comfortable the grandchildren are with you as the grandparent to be willing to leave the parents behind.
1: You know, we had hiked the Alps and then I was going to do this Camino hike by myself. And my granddaughter, who was seven when we hiked the Alps, says, well, I want to do that hike with you. And I was like, you want to go hiking with me? And she was like, yes, I want to go hiking with you. And we're like, it's going to be a long time without mommy and daddy. She's like, I know, I want to go. So my solo hiking trip ended up with two of my granddaughters going with me, and it it just made it that much better, again, because we've got that memory. It'll be, I'll probably be taking my last breath, and my granddaughter Mia will be teasing me about how how to say queso because because (laughs) you just you just you build those memories and you build those stories. It's like nothing else that there is when when you have that commonality things that you've done together of, of history of things that happen where you don't have to say anything. You just give each other a look and you start to laugh because you've you've done something together. You've bonded over something that's a memory that will forever be with them. They don't know what you got them for Christmas two years ago, but they can tell you everything about the trip you took.
0: Share with our listeners the story about the seven-year-old having her birthday on the plane and then the Frenchman... Uh- Talking yes. about her being a champion.
1: Yes. So, my granddaughter Lucci, who we're talking about, turned seven years old on the airplane as we were flying to do the Tour de Mont Blanc hike. And uh, Lucci had a really tough beginning. She was born with a congenital heart defect and had to have open heart surgery when she was a baby. For us, her being physically able to do this hike was monumental. You know, it was a really big deal for us. So we're we're hiking early in the hike and we're in France and the gentleman sees her and he asks, is she going to do the entire Tour de Mont Blanc? And we said, yes, yes, she is. And he told us that, you know, he believed that she was the youngest child to ever complete the Tour de Mont Blanc. And he called her Champion. When you hike, you get a trail name. So that became her trail name, Champion. And she will still tell you to this day that she's famous because she is champion.
0: And I got goosebumps listening <laughs> to your story. <laughs> yeah. And
1: actually, my daughter-in-law recently sent uh, Lucci's heart surgeon uh, pictures of her hiking the Alps and thanking him. Because of him, we were able to have our champion.
0: Those are fabulous memories your granddaughters will cherish forever. I would love for your listeners to be able to find you on the internet and find your books and to know how to contact you. So will you share that information? With I us will. Please?
1: Oh, I would be thrilled. Thank you so much. So you can go to my website, SillyYaya.com. That is S-I-L-L-Y-Y-A-Y-A.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram as well. As silly, yaya. And if you follow me there, you can find some new and exciting news when I'm ready to release some new books. I also have a Facebook page called Grandparenting Plain and Simple for grandparents, just to share. Uh, antidotes or pictures of their grandkids or just little memes they found and, and such. My books can be found, of course, on amazon.com or, or or all major online booksellers. Uh, I know some of my books are also on target.com and walmart.com. I don't know about in-store copies as well. And if you want a a personalized copy of the book, I do keep some in stock and you can purchase those at sillyaya.com website. But I'd love for you to go to the website and peruse it and see the schools that I've been to and some pictures. And just go to the page, Kids Corner, and download some of those free printables, especially with summer coming up, you're running out of things uh, for them to, to color or little crafty things. If you have trouble finding any of the books on Amazon, when you type in the name of the book, because if you go to my webpage and go on that book, it'll, the link, you click on that and the link will bring you directly to Amazon. But if you're just going in Amazon as it is, and you are having problems finding the book, just type in the name of the book and silly Yaya or Uh, my name, Violet Favaro. And that's F-A-V-E-R-O.
0: I'll have all of the links in the show notes too. So if listeners did not write it all down as you were talking, they can visit the show notes and they can find the information there. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. You will find the links to our guests and the topics we discussed in this episode's show notes. If you would like to be a guest or if you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please connect with me at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com.